Hello. We're starting a new sermon series this morning, and it's a little different than what we usually do. Uh, we're actually looking at a book and allowing that book to, to shape our conversation a bit. But before we do this, just, just know that we're not just going to look at a book written by some guy, even if he's a pastor. We want to be practical, but we also want to be for sure truthful. And because of that, whatever principles we gather from whatever source, it's got to line up with another book, the Bible, God's Word, right? And by the way, that also goes for sermons. You know, any, any type of truth that we're trying to add to our lives, we, we've got to make sure that it lines up with Scripture as well. And that's not a knock on Mark Batterson, the guy who wrote our book. Um, this really is trying to stay focused on what God would have for us. So to get started this morning, allow me to take a few moments to kind of shape where we're going with this series and, and also start into that first of seven daily habits that we're going to be looking at. As I talked about a little bit last week with the start of a new year, many of us are in the habit of selecting a goal or two uh, to work towards to make ourselves a little bit better. And we call these New Year's resolutions, right? Now, maybe it's exercising, maybe it's eating better, maybe it's reading through the Bible in a year. There's just a lot of goals that we usually gravitate to this time of year. Why do we do that? Well, really, because it's a new year. It's a clean slate. It's an opportunity to do things a little bit differently, right? We can actually say, you know, on January 1st, you know what, I, I haven't done this yet this year, or I have done this every day this year even though it's January 1st, right? There, there actually is something to this, right? I, maybe we couldn't pull it off last year, but, but if we could just get started on the first day of the year and do whatever it is that we're trying to do, we could almost do anything for a day, right? Then if we could go to that second day and do the same thing and get that accomplished, whatever it is we're trying to get accomplished, then we have a winning streak going, right? With some momentum, and then we could actually say, man, you know what? I've been able to do this every day of the year. Isn't that amazing? And yet it's still January 2nd, right? <laughs> but take life one day at a time, and, and it's possible to actually, who knows what we could do, right? And this is really one of the big ideas behind the book that we're looking at for this sermon series. This, this book is called Win the Day. It's written by Mark Batterson. Um, he's a pastor. You know, and Mark even starts his book with this quote from William Osler. If you're not familiar with him, he's a person from history. He's actually known as the father of modern medicine. And he was delivering a, an address at Yale University on April 20th, 1913, a few years back, right? And in the address, Osler says, the load of tomorrow added to that of yesterday carried today makes the strongest falter. Let me read that one more time. The load of tomorrow added to that of yesterday, carried today, makes even the strongest falter. And that really is true, isn't it? Sometimes we have so much on our minds. We're, we're thinking about yesterday. We're thinking about the things we didn't get done, the things that we didn't do right. We're also thinking about tomorrow. We're thinking down the road. We're thinking, how am I going to be ready for that? We feel a little bit unqualified, so it's making us a little bit anxious. And, and then we have the stuff that was going on actually in the day. And, and with all that weight on us, sometimes it's just, 
easier to quit than to get started. I've had that feeling myself many times. What was Osler's solution? Well, he continued with this. Our grand business undoubtedly is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. And it's really about this last part, to do what lies clearly at hand. (laughs) And what helps us to do what lies clearly at hand, according to Osler? Well, we've got to live into day-tight compartments. Day-tight compartments. In the book, Batterson pushes this idea that if we can just live in day-tight compartments, if we can just take one day at a time and just focus on that, then we could accomplish almost anything. We can stress less, we can accomplish more, and all for the glory of God, right? I mean, doesn't that sound good? Just go do it. Just go live one day at a time, and you'll be a different person. You'll be able to conquer the world. Doesn't that sound a little bit too good to be true? So before we get into this conversation too, bar, too far, I just want to be honest with you. It's something that uh, maybe hates too big of a word, but, but definitely rubs me the wrong way. I just can't stand it when people offer oversimplified, oversold solutions to a problem. In my humble opinion, if something is, is, sounds too good to be true, It probably is too good to be true, right? When there's a guy in a commercial and he's out out there yelling and telling you how great a deal this is, I mean, and then he goes on to this, wait, there's more, and you can even get it free. Of course, there's an $80 handling fee that you're going to end up paying, but I mean, that just drives me crazy, these commercials, right? Just be upfront with me. Just be honest with me. Don't waste my time. And we all know that if the solution to all of our problems was just taking one day at a time, wouldn't we have already tried that? And, and honestly, I don't think I'm being pessimistic here. I'm trying to be a realist. I, I know that by the end of January, 70% of those New Year's resolutions have already been broken, Right? That's just truth. You know how I know that? Because I've experienced it firsthand, right? And, and isn't taking one day at a time, isn't that what we do with New Year's resolutions? Isn't that what that whole thing's about? So how could New Year's resolutions actually be the solution to all of our problems? Now, now to balance this a little bit, I, I also, I'm a coach. I, I coach at this high school, um, girls basketball, and, you know, as a coach, I know that if, you're, if you repeat something often enough, um, that somehow that thing that you're repeating over and over again has a better opportunity to stick into your life, right? Don't you believe that to be true? At least some of those things, right? Some of the time, we've seen evidence in our own lives of that, right? Things that we have repeated over and over and over again, um, they tend to stick into our lives. And that's good stuff, Right? But unfortunately, this is also true when you do the wrong thing enough times. How do we break a bad habit? Just come watch a basketball practice with me sometime, and you'll, you'll see people who, you know, they started shooting basket, basketballs way early in life at a point that they were too little to be able to get that ball up to the hoop. And so they came up with all sorts of different ways to get it up there, primarily, you know, two-handed over the head, trying to get it up there. 
And now they've grown. They're stronger. And, and they have this opportunity to, to do something a little bit different. Fix their shooting mechanics and shoot one-handed. Can they do it? Yes, they can, but it is very, very, very difficult because they've repeated that shot over and over and over again. How do we get past these bad habits? If we're going to win the day, if we're going to make progress towards whatever we're going after, part of this has to be doing the right things, <laughs> doing the right things multiple times to help us move forward. You have to have the right things within those day-tight compartments, right? And that's where we will talk about the seven daily habits, those things in our life that might even help us move forward in the right direction, right? But there's another piece to this that I just have to talk about on the front end of this. I think there's something that we just have to admit on the front end of this type of discussion, these self-help type discussions. I've seen that people left to their own direction, are really fully and irretrievably broken. They're just broken, at least on their own. I'm actually convinced that, that we just can't fully fix ourselves. Again, at least on our own. I mean, we just can't ever do everything perfectly, right? We can never quite do it right on our own. And, and I'm not trying to be a downer here. I think it's, it's okay to admit this. I think this is actually an important part of this conversation. And, and don't take my word on this. Paul in the book of Romans talks about this a lot. In Romans, the book of Romans, he takes the first few chapters and he's addressing these Jews that think that they are so much better than Gentiles. And Gentiles are simply people who weren't born into God's people, who weren't you know, growing up with all of these rules and laws. And they aren't very good at them when they get introduced to them, right? They don't know what these new things are. In Romans 1, Paul actually establishes that, yes, these Gentiles, they are pretty messed up, aren't they? <laughs> they spend too much time trying to make up their own truth. They spend too much time um, making up their own gods. But then Paul actually turns to the Jews and he has a question for them. <laughs> so what about you? You actually know what God wants. You were born into this, right? You were, you're part of this God's family, and yet you don't do what you know that you ought to do. The beginning of Romans 2, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge one another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the very same things. <laughs> now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. He's all about truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment somehow? <laughs> What's Paul saying to them? Come on, people. <laughs> Whether you're a Jew or Gentile, whatever title you want to give yourself, we are all in the same boat in here, right? We're all in the same boat. We don't fully do what we ought to do. We don't. And then he summarizes it in Romans 3, verse 23, one of those famous passages in Scripture, for all have sinned and fall short 
of the glory of God. All people, all of us, right? We just can't fix ourselves. Really, it's okay to admit it. We just can't fully fix ourselves. We might be ahead of someone else, but that doesn't mean that we've made it, right? Now, with a little blood, sweat, and tears, can we, can we actually improve our situation? Sure. I'll give you that much. I'm, I'm a coach. I know that you can improve your situation if you just do the right things enough times, right? You can make some things happen. But how about salvation? Can you make that happen? How about rescuing your soul? Or better yet, transformation. Um, becoming a different person even. Somehow recreating the habits that you have to, to be more like Jesus. <laughs> you know what? That, I don't think, is in our tool bag. It isn't. No matter how hard we try, no matter how focused we are, no matter how, how well we discipline ourselves, we just can't get there. Why? <laughs> because that's God's business. That's God's role in this. It's not our role. It's his role. The truth is that we can't save ourselves. We can't reform ourselves. Using a theological word, we can't sanctify ourselves. We can't make ourselves more and more like Jesus. In fact, trying to fix ourselves in our own strength, that can really mess us up, honestly. I mean, just look at the Pharisees if you want to see a group of people who were pretty good at disciplining themselves and doing the right things at least as far as the list goes, but not having the right heart, right? So if that's God's job in this transformation, salvation business, what's our job? You know the honest truth? Our job in all of this is to surrender, to wave the white flag, to give up, so that we might ask for help that gets us to a great spot, doesn't it? By far, our best day in winning the day was when we fell on our knees in front of God and simply said to him, I can't, but I believe you can. Save me, Lord. Sanctify me. <laughs> Set me apart for your use. I want your plan for my life. I want to have your way happen within me, Lord. Use me. I'm all yours. Do you know what the theological word is for this kind of action? It's called consecration. Consecration. Our job as followers of Christ is to consecrate ourselves to the Lord, to let go and let God, and allow the Holy Spirit access to do his work in our lives. Oftentimes we'll be in there working really hard trying to fix ourselves, and we're in the way, right? Just Holy Spirit saying, let me in there. Let me help. And what does, what does this consecration, I mean, is this just a one-time thing when we surrender? No, this needs to be one day at a time. Surrendering daily. Going to God daily and saying, you know what? You are God and I am not. And I need your help. Isn't that a great prayer for each day for us? Again, it's important for us to understand that salvation is truly one-sided. God does all the work. It's by his grace. Going back to Romans 3, 
verse 23 again, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But look at the next part. And all are justified freely by his grace. It's a gift <laughs> through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God has done all the work by his grace through Christ. All the work. <laughs> but this is also true in sanctification. Sometimes we think sanctification is our work for God. Do you remember what sanctification is? This big word that actually just means being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. <laughs> you know what? This is also one-sided. <laughs> Listen to Paul later on in Romans 8, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life, give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. God is the transforming power in our lives. Not us, not our discipline. He, the Holy Spirit works in us. He, he is our hope for salvation. He is our hope for, for growth in Christ. God is the one doing all the work. Really, there's so much more we could say here. We could have a whole sermon series on just this topic, right? And for some of you, this is your application point this morning. Maybe you've never really had one of those surrender moments. Those moments where you just quit trying and start trusting God. Lord, I can't do this, but I know that you can. Please, I'm all yours. Help me. I need your help. Or maybe you've had one of those moments of surrender, and, and you need to start re-upping this surrender, not just that one time long ago, but every day, each and every day. Lord, today I surrender to you. Lord, today I want you to be my God. Lord, today I need your help. I need your help right now. Don't, don't think that focusing one day at a time is not important. That is a big part of this conversation in this book, but it's also a big conversation that we see in Scripture. Think about this with me. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, Right? And you know what he teaches them to ask for? He says this phrase, give us today our daily bread. We are to ask God to give us daily bread. Now, if you're really tracking through this, if you're really thinking about this, I think that we would actually rather ask for a week's worth of bread or a month's worth of bread. Why? Because then we wouldn't have to keep going back and asking for more, right? We'd be a little bit more self-sufficient. But that doesn't seem to be God's way. He wants a daily interaction with us. Remember, he's the one that created the 24-hour time period in the beginning of creation, right? There's a reason for that. He wants us to trust in him day by day. <laughs> and that theme really carries throughout the Bible. As Pastor Mark points out, do you remember the expiration date on manna? How long does it take manna to, to spoil? One day, right? Exodus 16, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Obviously, God's instructions 
are meant to be done day by day. How about the deadline on our anger? At what point are we supposed to give up our anger? Do you remember? In Scripture, it says sundown at the end of each day. Ephesians 4, 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Again, the day is important. Be finished with your anger by the end of the day, right? When are God's mercies made new according to Scripture? Every morning. Lamentations 3, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions. They never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him Again, looking at other themes in Scripture, how often are we to take up our crosses? You remember? Daily, right? Luke 9, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And when are we told to rejoice and be glad? Today, right? Psalm 118, the Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. There's an importance there to the day, right? Day by day by day. And as you can see, much of winning the day is simply leaning into God's plan for us each and every day, starting it all over the next day, living into who he is for us that day too, right? It's always today. <laughs> trusting in his ways, trusting in his truth, trusting in him to provide for us day by day by day by day. <laughs> Amen? Can we live into that day by day process? And this actually leads us into the primary conversation of this book. Yes, God is the one that saves and transforms, but there are certainly things that we can do to cooperate with him to actually allow him to do the work a little bit easier. I mean, think of just trusting God. That's an important part of him being able to, to do things in our lives, um, to allow the Holy Spirit to cooperate better in changing our behavior and changing our hearts and aligning us with Christ. And that's where the seven daily habits comes from in this book. What are some things that we can do each day to better allow God to move us and even use us. You ready for habit one? The first daily habit that we're going to look at is flip the script. Flip the script. And the idea, the idea behind this one is if, if you want to change your life, you got to start by changing your story. And we all have a story, right? Not just our own personal story, but one that we entered into when we were born into a family, right? Our family story. And this, this story, our family story, it affects us um, even though we might not even know what it is. For an example of this, I was born into a family of blue-collar workers. Um, through the generations, we can see a whole line of really hard workers, people who, who did all sorts of crazy odd jobs. I mean, I just, uh, every time we got together as a family, I learned of another crazy job that one of them has done. But they all work really, really hard at their jobs. And that work ethic has been passed down through the generations. The generations have learned from each other, Right? Whether I knew the story or not, I knew the value of hard work because it was passed down from my dad, yes, but it goes farther than that. 
And that's the power of story. We have those things built into our story, into the families that we live in that affect us, that teach us things. Now, we don't always know our own stories, but I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> once we learn of our stories, you've had this happen to you, we become more aware of why we do some of the things that we do. It's fu funny that my kids have actually noticed the similarities between myself and my parents. They think it's funny. <laughs> but it's also interesting um, that they don't notice the things that Wendy and I do that they do. Um, but we sure notice, right? <laughs> it's the power of story. They are living into our story whether we want them to or not. Because some of those things we're passing along aren't the things we'd like to pass along, right? Now, I don't know exactly what each of your stories are, but I know that you have one. And I can even bet that some of your past story is not rosy. There's some difficult things in the past. <laughs> and that's where this flip the script habit, habit comes from. Sometimes our past story has strong negative parts to it. And that part of our story can hold us back from the future that God wants to have for us. In fact, if we are not careful, we can allow those past experiences to rule our lives in such a negative way that we never even make it to the destination that God has for us, what God hopes for us. Worse yet, we let the past keep us from even hoping for a better destination. You know, it's just the way things are. My mom has done it this way. Her mom did it that way. That's just the way I do it, and that's just the way it is. Things will never change. And that's where this idea of the New Year's resolution just isn't good enough. We can't just flip the calendar and hope things are going to get better. We have to believe that our story can be changed, that we can have a different future, that we can actually flip the script. Now, ultimately, in this flipping the script, we need God's help in this, right? We can't do this on our own. Let's not forget that. He is the one who ultimately can make this flip happen. But we have to choose to do some cooperating, right? We can choose in the daily moments to not allow those experiences from our past to hold us back from our future, right? Day by day by day, we have to, to kind of grab hold of those negative thoughts and not let them influence. We can trust that God can help us with this. We need God's help to make, help us take captive those controlling thoughts, those paralyzing mindsets. And the truth is that flipping the script is, is way more than just letting go of past mindsets. You know what it's doing if we are actually able to flip the script? We are redefining the entire course of our lives. This is huge stuff. If we can flip the script, if God helps us to get past our past story, we open up all sorts of new possibilities in our lives, don't we? With a new script, we can achieve anything that God desires for us because we actually can believe that he wants to make a change and we're going to allow him to. What's that verse? Philippians 4, 13. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
Now, do you think this is just some mumbo-jumbo positivity? Look at the Bible. Look at who our God is. God, you look through the Scripture and read all the stories, you see this God who has a history of changing stories. We just finished the Christmas story. Think about the Christmas story with me. Do, you, do we see any changed stories in this, this adventure? <laughs> Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're too old to have kids, obviously, right? <laughs> or so they thought. God changed that story. Then we have this Mary, can't have a kid without a husband, obviously. Oh, yeah? <laughs> God changed that story. We have Joseph, certainly couldn't follow God's ways for him and marry this woman who seems to be unfaithful to him. Are you sure, Joseph? God slips in there and changes his story. God is always changing stories. In almost every story that you look at in the Old Testament, look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, who again were too old to have a kid. Oops. God changed their story, right? Look at the story of Joseph sold off into slavery. He's locked up in prison. And then what happens? God changes his story, and he's able to save a whole country and his family from famine. Look at the story of David, who wasn't even invited to the party when they were picking out the king, right? There's no way he's going to become king. God changed his story. <laughs> oh, and you remember that story about David and Goliath? How could David have done that without believing that God could change his story, right? And then we have this Gideon guy, this guy who was always hiding from the enemy, and now we see him a mighty warrior being used by God to do amazing things. The list goes on and on and on. In fact, it would be easier to list the names of the people in the Bible who didn't have their stories changed. This is what God's about. The Bible's full of these kinds of transformational stories. Do we believe that God can do this, that God can change our story? Or do we believe that, that God somehow stopped changing lives at some point? Look around you. I mean, look even within our church family. There are people that we know that their lives have been transformed by God. How important is this belief that God can and will and wants to flip our script, change our story but we also have a story in Scripture of an example of not believing that God can flip the script. That's also powerful. <laughs> story of the Israelites as they made their way out of Egypt. They spent 400 years in slavery, and now here is God marching them out of Egypt. Think about it. What an incredible opportunity to flip a script, right? Moving from slavery to freedom. But also, you see in this story an incredible amount of past story to overcome, right? And did they struggle? Yes, they did. What did they struggle with? What they were struggling with, letting go of their past story, even after they were liberated. They just couldn't get past it. As we read through the story in Exodus, they continually, and maybe you know people like this, they they continually, instead of focusing on what God has for them, they start romanticizing their past. This great time, supposedly, that they had when they were slaves, right? Man, I just loved it when they beat on me and, you know, made me do really hard work that was impossible to get done. I mean, that was just, those were the days, right? 
And then they would turn around and be frustrated with this newfound freedom that they found with God. They'd been physically liberated, yet they just couldn't mentally grasp this new identity that they had, right? God wanted to flip their scripts. God wanted to change their lives, but they just struggled to believe that it was possible. And we have a similar, we have a similar reality when we step into Christ, right? In him, think about all the change that comes to our, to our story. In him, we have a new identity. We're no longer slaves to sin. In Christ, we join into a new family, the family of God. And we have a new story altogether because we're joining his story, right? Through Christ, we have an opportunity for all the promises that God has for us. Hope, joy, peace, love, on and on and on. We can actually live into the life that God had planned for us. Enjoy all that he intended for us. But in the same way as the Israelites, I've seen Christians who continually, to, instead of moving forward, they look back. They look at their toxic past and they think, man, those were the days. I loved it when I got to, you know, bow down at the porcelain god of puking after being drunk all night. I mean, why would we want to go back? <laughs> Instead of fixing our eyes on the prize, on the goal, fixing our eyes on Christ, we're romanticizing our past. <laughs> God is trying to flip our scripts. God wants to rewrite our stories. That's good news, <laughs> right? But true change can only come when we choose to believe it. We choose to believe that God can do this. We choose to flip the script when we allow our script to be scripture. <laughs> it's pretty clever, right? I didn't come up with that. That's in the book. <laughs> so this morning, let me just ask you, I know you've been thinking. I know God's been challenging you. What stories are you telling yourself? Where do they come from? Are they always helpful to you? <laughs> or do they hurt you? Do they hold you back? Are they accurate <laughs> or inaccurate? And based on whose truth are they inaccurate, right? And who's narrating this story? Are you narrating this story, your story? Maybe your parents? How about your doubters or your enemies? <laughs> Have you given over editorial control of your story to the author and perfecter of your faith? I'd give that to you as a strong suggestion. He knows things that we don't know, and he's strong enough to deliver them in our lives, right? Are you willing to flip the script? Are you willing to trust God on this one? This is more than a one-time decision, right? I mean, this isn't something that we just say, okay, yeah, I'm game. <laughs> no, we got to do this day by day. It's a day by day, daily practice of reminding yourself of who you really are in Christ. That's the only way we're going to get there. And that's really the power of Scripture in our lives, right? Do you remember the passage I closed the service with last week, Galatians chapter 4? It says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship or daughtership, right? 
Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, Daddy. (laughs) So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Think about that. I mean, is it helpful to be reminded about these kinds of things? Yeah, it is. We need to be reminded of these types of things, especially when we're having hard times in the day, right? This is the value, again, of daily getting into God's word and reminding yourself of all that we are in him, what he's trying to do in our lives. Flipping the script. So let me give you a challenge this morning. Um, I've actually placed a list of scriptures And for those who were in the room on Sunday, they got a green piece of paper that listed out all the great things of who we are in Christ. For you online, you can go to our website, mnaz.org, and and look for the link, Who I Am in Christ. And I want to challenge you this morning, um, every day, to actually go to that list and read it. Read it every day. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ And even maybe take a few moments on that sheet. It's going to be the Bible verse and then a description of what the Bible verse says. But I would encourage you to actually look up some of those verses and meditate on them. Think about them. Remember all that God has for us. This is so important in our lives. So this morning, would you be willing to flip the script and allow Scripture to be your new script? Would you pray with me? Lord God, I am so thankful that you are a God who changes stories. That you are a God who really do desire a relationship with us. You want to interact with us day by day by day. (laughs) And really, Lord, that's only for our benefit. (laughs) So that we can actually grow into these great plans and promises that you have for us. Would you help us this morning, Lord, to remember who we are in you? And if we don't know who we are in you, to go find it. Go look it up and start reminding ourselves of who we are in you. You've got great plans for us. Lord, would you help us to actually believe that you can flip our script, that you can change our stories, that we can actually trust you to make amazing changes in our lives. Lord, help us to be people who are in your word day by day by day, looking at what you have for us. And Lord, we trust you with our lives. We look forward to what you're going to do with the changes that you are trying to make in our lives. (laughs) We're excited to see you flip our script. Help us, Lord, as we get into your word to be reminded of that. And we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me offer you a benediction passage in Philippians 4.8. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. (laughs) 
What are we doing? We are filling ourselves with the amazing promises of God, right? Those great things that he has for us. People of God, we are a blessed people, aren't we? To have a God like that, have a God that wants to make changes in our lives and, and help us to benefit from his plans for us. So this week, would you work to know who you are in Christ? Work at it. Go out and find that, that list, of, list of things of who you are in Christ and look at those, read those. those. It's an important list. Let's work at knowing who we are in Christ. And then let's trust God to help us live into it, to lean into it. Allow him to change our story. You are sent.